attitude adjustment. And the only person that could do that was me. I'm still mainlining Diet Coke and gummy bears, but I've been a little bit brighter. This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alphon. What is up, you lovely listener? Welcome to another episode of Oversharing. As always, I am super pumped to have our guest on today. She's actually a serial entrepreneur with over 27 years of experience in the health and wellness industry. And she started her first business at only 18 years old with her beach-inspired clothing shop, Vacation Sportswear. And since then, she's co-founded five companies, including the Nail Lounge, Orange County's only award-winning nail salon. She's also the author of Biz Etiquette, a small but mighty book for entrepreneurs who want to be more classy. Her work in the industry has led to multiple publication features in USA Today, OC Parenting, Women's Health, and more. And today, she's actually the managing director and CEO of the popular indoor cycling studio, Grit Cycle. But before I speak too much, let's allow Cassie Piasecki to overshare. How are you doing, Cassie? I'm so ready to overshare. <laughs> <laughs> So I should, I, and people said that I, I was echoey on Instagram Live, so I'm mm. actually holding it off to the side. So uh, I had it resting up on my computer. They got to deal with it, you know. We're we're doing yeah. everything we can to get this content out. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, thanks for having me back again. This is, I think, I replied back to your email yesterday saying that I was looking forward to doing something normal and recording a podcast feels normal to me in this not normal world that we're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that your daughter is actually in New York, which is getting hit super hard. Your husband's up in NorCal, right? Yeah. Um, so are you just at home alone right now? I am at Grit Cycle alone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do not tell people that we're home alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's, sorry, I forgot that. Let, let me let people know that as, along with your address. <laughs> <laughs> my husband's coming home tonight along with his gun. <laughs> He's coming home tonight. But yeah, my daughter lives in the belly of the beast right now in Manhattan. She's mm. up in her first floor apartment. That was something that I, I realized I was so happy that she didn't have to get into an elevator. Mm. And so she is in New York and my husband's a physician and we have offices here in Southern California and in Northern California. So I said, nobody needs a hero right now, but he got on the airplane on Wednesday and went up there to see his patients and uh, he's coming back tonight. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds like a very like Iron Man moment. Like nobody needs a hero right now, Tony, just stay back. Yeah, no one needs a hero right now. Yeah. You should you should stay back. <laughs> yeah, I'd be taking care of ourselves, right? So um, to the listener who might not know you yet or the viewer who might not know you yet, can you give us a little bit of a background on how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. I think you said I was a serial entrepreneur, which is exactly what I am. You and I have talked before. I think I did my first entrepreneurial thing when I was about 10 years old, went through the whole life cycle of an entrepreneur from having brick and mortar stores starting at 18 to service industry businesses, brick and mortar with a nail salon in Orange County. I've had a couple different clothing stores. I said my husband's a physician. I help doctors should always just be practicing doctors. They shouldn't be business owners. <laughs> to this day, still run my husband's medical practice. Um, I've had online businesses. You kind of like dipped my finger and toe into probably too many businesses. But all throughout my 
journey, fitness has always been the mainstay. Um, fitness and entrepreneurialism are my top two passions and interwoven through all of the entrepreneurial endeavors were, were some element of fitness, whether it was at the nail salon that was in Newport Beach. I taught fitness at the same time and it was important for me to keep teaching because the people that were coming to my classes were the people who were my clients. And so I always kept up my fitness journey even while I was opening businesses and selling businesses. In 2013, after I retired supposedly from teaching any more fitness, Grit Cycle opened up a few blocks from my house. I went there about a month after they opened the blue lights where I'm kind of <laughs> in blue lights right now, the overhead lights went off and the blue lights turned on. I leaned over to my friend who I dragged with me and I said, I need to teach here. A couple months later, I started teaching at Grit Cycle in Costa Mesa because of my background in business. And at the time, social media was kind of just revving its engine. And I was anywhere where there is a conversation going on, I want to be part of that conversation. So at that time, the conversation was starting to go online with social media. I kind of had the hang of it back then. And so I offered to help Grit Cycle with their social media stuff and, mm. and little business things here and there. And so I continued on as an instructor for several years. And then in 2017, they created a managing director position. They offered me the opportunity to interview with them and I took it and the rest is history. And yeah. so, and here I sit in an empty studio with no bikes. Oh, actually we have three bikes in here right now in the middle of a crisis, excited to do something normal and overshare with you. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent, man. So I hate to dig into it a little bit more, but I know this isn't your first go around with the crisis. I believe you were running the nail lounge mm -hmm. during the crash of 2008, correct? Yeah. Well, I had actually sold it about four months before the crash. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't... Um, that was just like a stroke of luck for me that I was able to sell it before that crash happened. What were some of the adjustments that you had to make as somebody that still had that entrepreneurial heart and entrepreneurial spirit during that time of your life? I think because my husband is a physician, through thick and thin and good and bad, people are always going to need medical care. At that time, it was just kind of just continuing to go with the flow and keep the medical business rolling as best as I could because that wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And so I would venture to say at that particular downturn in business and in history, I didn't feel it nearly as much as obviously what we're feeling now. It was more of a blip on my radar, wow. mostly because of what my husband's business was at the time. It feels like it was just yesterday, huh? I feel like before all of this bullshit has been going on, uh, we were still talking about 2008 as if we haven't recovered from it yet, which I know in a lot of cases we haven't. And then we got hit with something like this. And you're in a super unique position because to the listener who doesn't go to Grit Cycle, it's an indoor studio, uh, boutique fitness, right? So you have to be with people. You're touching people or not people, but you're touching bikes, so on and so forth. Yeah. I remember seeing the emails come through. I think it was even the same day where it was like, we're going to reduce the size of the classes. I was like, all right, cool. That makes sense. And then like an hour later, it was like, we're closing down the classes. Can you talk about that moment for you as somebody who's managing multiple studios, running multiple studios, 
and then having hundreds of customers and dozens of employees, like what was that decision like for you? How were you feeling at that time? I got to tell you, it was and still is incredibly surreal. So it was Sunday, March 15th. And every Sunday at 4.30, we have an email that goes out to our clients to remind them to book their bikes for the next week. Earlier that day, we had made the decision, myself and the two owners of the company, we had made the decision that we were going to reduce the capacity of the studios, seven studios here, six in Southern California and one in Northern California. That was only a month old. We decided that we were going to reduce the capacity to 50%. So we were going to block out every other bike so that no one could book those bikes, allow half the amount of people that normally come to ride. And so we wrote that email. I, I wrote that email. I don't always write the Sunday emails. In fact, I, I don't write them unless it's something big. And so I wrote that Sunday email at about three o'clock and um, we sent it out at 4.30. About a half an hour later, we had heard that the city of Los Angeles was shutting down all gyms and anything that was around a gym. And re- I think it was gyms and restaurants. Mm. And I got on a FaceTime with uh, Marisa and Joe, the owners of Grit. And the three of us just kind of like looked at each other and said, we probably need to close the studios now. Joe and I just kind of looked at Marisa and said, are you ready? And she nodded her head. And I think we were all kind of crying at the same time as well. And so I said, okay, let me write out another email. And so I sent another email and it just said, you know, based on what was happening and it was happening that fast as it still is today on April 9th, whatever day it is, maybe it's the 10th. (laughs) I do know it's Friday. Um, And we sent that email out. Um, Before I sent that email out, I did a Facebook live to my company, the employees. We had a hundred and 49 staff members from top to bottom. And I did a Facebook Live for them first so that they would hear from me what we were going to be doing. And then we pressed send on that email. And we have, I think, something like 42,000 people on our email mailing list. And so, you know, it's like ridiculous to send out an email at 4.30 and then turn around to someone out at 5.30. That's right. different. But that's the state of what the world is doing at that time. And so that's what we did. And then the next day, it was like, okay, fast forward into closing up these studios and talking to staff and employees. It sounds like you made the decision out of heart because in a lot of spots, I feel as if you know there were a couple studios that were still you know trying to, trying to kind of wait it out and see maybe if things would turn around. So would you say that it was more out of uh, that decision to do that in that moment? Was it more out of the safety of your customers and your employees than it was maybe like the uh, state mandated type of thing? It's definitely for the safety and health of our clients, our staff, and our instructors. Even to reduce to 50% was just a massive pivot that we you know, you don't make that decision very easily. And then to just go to just completely shut. We knew that it was probably just a matter of time. And we were, like you said, just trying. I I remember that, that, because that was on Sunday, that Friday, we were running around like bats out of hell, trying to 
get the latest technology for sanitation and switching up what we were cleaning the bikes with. Like we just went, we were going to just all ends of the earth to try to scramble and just like make it work. And, and it was literally like that last moment where we just said, you know what, like we just got to look at the bigger picture and it's to keep everybody as safe as possible. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I love the fact that you did that. You can definitely tell like that there's a lot of heart behind that decision. I know that the community that you've built within Grit Cycle, not just for the employees, but also the clients and the riders and the customers as well is something that's super tight. And what's rad is seeing everybody still come together. Like I can't turn on Instagram without seeing somebody doing a, like a virtual, uh, a virtual class. So can you t- talk a little bit about maybe some of the, uh, the strategies behind doing a virtual class and what are some of the things that you had to put into place? It seems like you got it done in like a couple of days, maybe a week's tops. So we close the studios on Sunday. On Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we really needed to like close up the studios, meaning every studio manager needed to go into their studio and shut everything down, lock everything up, you know, put things away, try to make the studios as safe and secure as they could be because we didn't know when we would be able to reopen. We needed to move quickly with our staff and our instructors. We wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. So lots of phone calls about, you know, filing for unemployment, Um, you know, just a ton of HR stuff. It was literally like that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were you know, the week before we were scrambling for sanitation stuff that those next three days, it was, okay, how do we close up these studios, do what we have to do. We wanted to make sure that all of our staff and instructors got to take a bike home with them, which we had to change a little bit later on down the line, but we wanted to make sure that, you know, our instructors were able to stay in instructing shape and we wanted them to be able to still be creative and we wanted them to be able to continue to grow as an instructor with playlists and moves and, you know, whatever. And we wanted our staff to be able to move on their bikes as well. In those first three days, it was all about taking care of the staff, taking care of the studios, having difficult conversations, all employees on lots of different levels. And that is extraordinarily emotionally hard to do and takes a lot out of you. That's where my head was. My head was close up the studios, take care of the staff and instructors and make sure everybody knows what direction they're supposed to go from here. And I wasn't being creative. I wasn't thinking about the next step. I wasn't thinking about the pivot. I wasn't thinking about innovation. I was down from 149 staff members to three, four, including myself. We were all scrambling to do just that. And that was our number one priority. And then sometime around Wednesday afternoon was like, okay, we got to pivot. We got to do something. We made the decision to rent out our bikes, but we wanted to do so in a way that was respectful of what was going on, which was we needed to create social distance. We had one of our clients is a fire chief in Orange County, and he donated his time to sit with us in our studios on. I think he did it on Friday and Saturday to make sure that everybody knew that we were doing things properly, you know, maintaining social distance, wearing all the things that we were supposed to wear. Like he just, I just like, he was my hero for like 
three days. So I was like, I can't believe that you're doing this. You know, he was so amazing. And I'm like lifetime membership. For you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we rented out all of our bikes and I really, again, still wanted to keep everybody super safe. So it was myself and Marisa, the owner of the company that facilitated the bike rentals because we wanted, you know, the other people that work with us have small babies, their own health issues. And so it was important that we be respectful of that. So Marisa and I facilitated getting all of the bikes out and we rented the bikes. And then um, we decided to make that pivot to online classes and start to build out a library of on-demand, which is something that's totally foreign, (laughs) a real house to me. Early on in the game, one of the big motivations for us was our partnership that we have with ClassPass. Mm. And I don't know if, I'm sure you probably know what ClassPass is, but for those of you who don't know what ClassPass is, ClassPass is a company all over the world that works with boutique fitness studios and gyms to, for lack of a better word, sell empty spots in your class. And so they, you, as a user, you buy your membership to ClassPass and you have a limited amount of classes that you can go to in a limited amount of studios throughout the month. I got to tell you, ClassPass rose to the occasion like no other company for everything from early paying us our income that we made in the previous month. Usually you have to wait till the 15th. They deposited the money right into all of their partners' accounts. But the other thing they did was they created the capability for anybody, any studio or any fitness professional to live stream on the ClassPass platform. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) ClassPass platform. You could live stream on their platform and they would give you 100% of the revenue. 100% of the revenue until June. And so that was a big motivator for us to get our act together um, from a technology standpoint, from a manpower standpoint, from a um, music licensing standpoint, to get the capability to live stream, which is different than recording classes and putting them on an on-demand library. Totally different technology. That was a huge motivation for us. So I want to give like massive kudos to ClassPass. They have been an extraordinary partner during this time. Extraordinary. We got the live stream stuff set up and to the best that we could. We've had a lot of technical glitches. So I'm glad everyone always says, I can't believe you guys did all of this so quick. I'm like, you have no idea what a cluster <laughs> F it has been. Um, we've moved locations a couple times. We've um, it has not been easy. We still don't have our audio stuff down right yet, but stuff is backordered. And I know I've talked to it for a long time. Is that okay? <laughs> this is about you, not about me. So I'm excited. Okay, I'm over sharing. So <laughs> with that capability of um, filming the videos and doing it on demand and on class pass. The other people that have been massively helpful have been Mariana Tech, who is our software provider, who has worked with our web developer, Reed from IP Studios, and um, ClassPass so that the three things are all talking. Our website has to talk, ClassPass has to talk, and our booking software has to talk. All three of those companies have really jumped to help Grit Cycle and to help the fitness industry as a whole. So once we kind of got that stuff down, it was booking instructors, which 
presents a whole other HR issue because you want to be respectful of the instructors that A, number one, we want people safe and healthy. Two, if they've been furloughed and they're, you know, coming in to teach a class and getting paid, you know, we want to make sure that we're doing everything to be respectful of their position, you know, to be able to get unemployment. And um, so there's been HR stuff around that still being super respectful of health. And so myself and Marisa are the ones that are in here, like doing the full shooting. I I call myself pre-production, (laughs) post-production, I'm a set mover. I'm an audio engineer. I'm like all the things. It's been a huge learning lesson, frustrating up the ass to say the least. I have persevered and my team, Katie, Dre, and Jill have pushed through and we're very respectful of each other because we all have low patience right now. Um, we're very respectful of each other, but we've put our heads down and done what we've had to do to get the product up. It's not perfect. There's lots of room for improvement, but it's up and people are riding. People are being healthy and keeping up their endorphins. And I think most importantly, we're continuing to serve our community as best as we can to uphold our brand um, so that the minute we open up, that people will be knocking on our doors to come back in. What is up, you lovely listeners? Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I did want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, MikeMe.com. MikeMe has helped this podcast sound incredible over the last year and a half, and I put out every single episode with 100% confidence that it's going to sound amazing and it's going to be absolutely legit. Not to mention, having them work on my show has helped save an incredible amount of time and headache for me. So it's been one of the best investments that I've made in a very, very long time. If you have a podcast or you're looking to start your own, be sure to go to mikeme.com forward slash oversharing. Again, that's mikeme.com, M-I-C-M-E.com forward slash oversharing. And you'll get an episode edited for free when you purchase one of their podcast bundles. This is an incredible service. You're absolutely going to love it and you're going to love the team. But before I speak too much, let's get back to the episode. I love what you said about the fact that it's not perfect, but it's working. I think a lot of people generally get caught up in the idea that it has to be perfect before you release it. And in most cases, obviously, somebody that takes their brand as seriously as you do and I do as well, it's like, of course, we want it to be perfect. But can you talk a little bit about the importance of moving quickly in general, not just right now, but moving quickly in general to get something to market to make sure that you are upholding the brand or and able to serve your clients? I am like you in that I want things to be perfect, but I also want to just go to, I want to go live. I want to push to send. It doesn't have to be perfect. However, the larger the company gets, the less forgiving people are, whether it's staff, instructors, or clients, the less forgiving they are if it's not perfect. I don't know if that's just a numbers game and the bigger the company gets, the more people that have an opinion, or if it's the bigger a company gets, the higher the expectations are for the company. And I think it's probably the latter. 
that's something that in the last year has become more apparent to me and it has forced me to slow down a little bit so that things are a little bit closer to perfect. I have people that work on my team who are way more on that. We got to make it perfect side than, and I'm far on the other side where I'm like, no, just go, just go, just go. In this particular situation that we're in right now, we've kind of just had to let everything go and just say, F it, just go, just press play, just go. It doesn't matter. We'll fix it later. Or it's not perfect. Who cares? Just put it up. Right now, the majority of people are way more forgiving if it's not perfect, but there's still a few that, you know, expect their expectations are still high. So that's something that we definitely struggle with. I'm hoping that after listening to this, like people have a little bit more empathy for people that are, for those that are in your position in that it's not just about locking up the doors and renting out bikes. There's HR you're dealing with, there's production issues, there's setting up partnerships, making sure your websites, all of those things that you've had to put into play in such a short amount of time to continue to serve the people. And I think that's what a lot of consumers and in a lot of cases, a lot of not saying any of Grit Cycles employees or anything like that, but a lot of employees uh, take for granted is how much is actually on your shoulders before you put something out. So kudos to you for doing that. I'm not surprised. I know that you're a hustler even without crisis. It's the whole team. <laughs> it's the whole team. Yeah. The, All whole, five of us. <laughs> <laughs> the whole team are hustlers. I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. From such a young age, you've always had like this hustler's mentality, got to get it done, like, you know, all of these things. Can you talk a little bit about how the preparation for you has has kind of led you to be in a place where you can respond quickly? Like, what were you doing before all of this bullshit happened, uh, just on a mental level, on a physical level, so that when you were here, you were already prepared? I'm glad it looks like I was prepared. <laughs> I, I think you were, at least from a mental standpoint, right? <laughs> It's been, I've had a lot of conversations with myself in the last three and a half weeks. So prior to this, I am very regimented in my routines that allow me to have the energy that I do and the stamina that I do and the creativity that I do and the patience that I do, very regimented strict wake-up time, a strict morning practice, a strict exercise routine, a strict spiritual routine. In the last three and a half weeks, almost four weeks, all of that is gone. Not all of it. I still have my strict wake-up time. I still have my strict workout routine, but my patience level is almost non-existent. Mm -hmm. And my, um, my creativity has really fallen by the wayside. And that's been really, really, really hard for me because it's very easy to go to a really low place. And things that bring me to a low place are comments on social media, watching people on social media live their best life while I'm not sleeping, walking in sometimes to an empty studio. And it's just hard to see that having a conversation with a staff member who is having a hard time because they're not getting the unemployment check yet, or they rented out a place and they're supposed to move in next month. So there's a lot of things that are bringing me down 
I don't necessarily have the mental wherewithal or energy to always elevate. And plus the weather freaking sucks right now. (laughs) If I could be in a bikini right now, all things would be different. Same here. I, I'm 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 upset. I can't put on a bikini. I know, right? <laughs> so, um, I've had the first couple of weeks. I was kind of just like in a fight or flight mode and um, mainlining diet coke and gummy bears. <laughs> a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, a lot of I didn't lack motivation like most people just like in a really crappy place. Yeah. And then in the last week or so, I've had a lot of conversations with myself. I think I tweeted something. I think you saw it the other day where like you can, it was something like you can be miserable or you can be happy. It takes the same amount of energy. <laughs> I listened to a couple podcasts about immunity and I was reminded about the importance of leveling out stress importance of sleep, which sleep hasn't gotten better yet, but that's okay. Like when all this went down, I think like on the second day, I looked at my husband and I was crying. (laughs) And this is not good for my immune system either. (laughs) And he just like burst into tears or burst into laughter as I'm bursting into tears. But things like my immune system are like in my top 10. (laughs) This last week, I've changed my attitude a little bit. I'm so far from perfect. It's not, not even funny. And I needed a massive attitude adjustment. The only person that could do that was me. I'm still mainlining Diet Coke and gummy bears, but I've been a little bit brighter. Um, the, you know, Because the other thing too is I've, I'm here turning on the lights and the camera for all the instructors and I have to be up. And mm-hmm. so you know, I was faking it until I'm making it. And some days it was harder to be up than others, but I'm a little brighter this week. And so that's a really long answer of saying like nothing could have prepared me to handle everything. I think I'm handling it just as bad as anybody else or just as good as anybody else. Nothing could have prepared me. for. Well, I think the fact that you've moved forward as quickly as you have is amazing. Can you talk a little bit about what those actual like tactics were for you to start turning your attitude around. I know that you said you're having conversations with yourself, but are you literally like in the mirror, like get your shit together? Or is it more of like a peaceful conversation with yourself? I don't do it in the mirror because I try to only say nice things to myself in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> but I do it in my car when I'm driving to and from the studio. I say to my, like, I literally say to myself or to my husband, this is not a time to be at odds with myself. This is not a time to be at odds with my husband or my friends or anything. This is a time where you got to pull it together, girlfriend. Like, you know, and I I will say that to myself. I listened to Joe Dispenza. I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong, but he is someone who talks um, a little bit more on a spiritual level about energy and about immunity you know, stress and sleep and how that plays into your immune system. I mean, we're, we're all trying not to get sick, but yet at the same time, we're all highly stressed out and not sleeping and not eating right and, you know, whatever. And so you're just backfiring yourself. So I, I say those things to myself. And then I listen to our friend Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> and um, one thing that Gary taught me 
several years ago, and I think we might've talked about this before is like, I know that I'll always be okay because he's taught me like I can be like super scrappy and go flip Louis Vuitton bags and <laughs> just fine. It's not what I want to do, but I could do it if I had to. I've been doubling down on my Gary V tea so that I can be reminded of that. And that kind of lifts me back up too. Yeah, I think that's heavy. Like just getting back to a place where you remember where you got through a hard time or what you've built. It's like you've been through tough stuff before, you can do it again, right? I love that. And I love how real you are about this too, because it's really easy for people to put on a facade. Everything's okay. But I think it's important for people to understand that it's okay to not be okay. And sometimes it is a struggle. So you've made a ton of changes to Grit. You have this on-demand platform. Do you see that maybe this could be something that you're offering to people after all of this? I'm actually sitting in our Huntington Beach studio and out the door over there is a small little separate room that we set up originally as a training room where we could do training of new instructors. I see that now as someplace I can set up as an online classroom for on-demand videos. So yes, this is something we're all, we're all going to be Peloton (laughs) all said and done. The response has been really amazing and I love seeing people from all over the world taking classes with us. And that's um, amazing. And so it is definitely something that we're going to continue to do. We're just going to do it better and not so rushed. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because I remember you saying one time that you had a ton of followers from just the indoor cycling community, not necessarily just customers, right? So now those people actually get to experience Grit Cycle with you. Yeah, for sure. We do every um, Monday through Friday at noon, we've been going live on Instagram to do a a 30-minute class. At the end, I always um, encourage people to tell us where they're from. People Today, there was someone from Alaska. There was someone in Cancun. I mean, like that's just like amazing. And yeah. you start to see like where a fan base might be. And, and then there's where you open up your next studio. So it's, um, it's cool. And it is something that we're going to definitely continue to do. Yeah, man, that's amazing. I just got... I actually got goosebumps when you said there's somebody in Alaska because that reach is just so cool. And now you get to kind of extend the brand, extend the personalities and everybody who's been so incredible at Grid Cycle to people outside of California for now. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. Outside of the on-demand classes, have you had time to create maybe a new vision for Grid Cycle once we can get back in the studio? From the last time that you and I talked, how many studios did we have? (laughs) I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. We have opened up five studios in two years, which is fast. And one of them was in Northern California. And it just, like I said, just opened like a month before all of this Mm. happened. The initial thought that I had um, when all this went down was, okay, here's a chance for us to breathe a little bit, clean some stuff up, and get tighter and get leaner and meaner because I haven't really breathed in a couple of years. So that was my first initial thought was not necessarily, okay, how do I innovate from here when we reopen? It was actually being a tighter, stronger company when we reopen. You know, just being able, just coming into one of the studios and seeing all the cords behind the counter and just thinking, God, we can clean it up now. We've got time be honest, like, I don't think the government is going to just sit like to say, okay, you can open now. 
I think it's going to happen very slowly. I'm looking forward to a slow reopen so that we can like just really go back to basics and solidify that foundation a little bit. First of all, I appreciate everything that you've shared with us. It's probably the most open conversation we'd have we've had about the effects of how this can take on somebody. I, you know, I kind of take the route of powering through a lot of things, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel a lot of the same things that you're feeling as well. To maybe the business owner, the entrepreneur, whoever it might be who doesn't have the luxury of just working remotely because you guys can't necessarily do that. What are some pieces of advice you can give to them either from a mindset standpoint or for a tactical standpoint that they can kind of prepare themselves for if they haven't already had to make those changes for themselves? I'm still catching up with that. (laughs) I think uh, when I went and I said that I had a very regimented practice of my own personally, I think that it is way too easy to let some of those routines and practices go by the wayside because you don't have a place to go or you don't have that meeting or all of those emails that you normally wake up to. I said early on, like, okay, well, if I get to go into work a little later, I'm not going to adjust my bedtime or my wake-up time by more than 30 minutes because it will hurt too much if I have to go back to the regular schedule. So nine, t- nine times out of 10, I'm still waking up at well, well before the crack of dawn just to maintain. I think that gives me an edge. And so I want to maintain that edge even when I don't have to be someplace at 8 a.m. I think it's important to still continue your, your daily practice so that you can stay right in your head. The other thing is, and I think everyone's hearing it a lot, is this is a, the greatest equalizer. Mm-hmm. If I don't get to go out and buy a new pair of Yeezys because I'm trying to save my money, it's not like I'm going to look over and see my friend have the new pair of Yeezys <laughs> because we're all, and then everybody's kind of in the same boat. Yeah. And no one's taking a fancy trip to Paris. And no one, you know, so there's comfort in that. So when you find yourself getting down, be comforted knowing that we're all, we're all in the same fucking boat. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks, but, and I hate boats, but we are. God, I hate boats. Um, and, but we are, and there's some level of comfort in that. My husband isn't quite there yet. He doesn't really get that point of view because at home I am a little bit more relaxed, I think because of that. I don't, I don't know that there's really anything more that anybody can do to prepare because it's just so unprecedented and so uncharted territory. Yeah, I agree. And I will attest to the fact that you are still up at the ass crack of dawn because I found out that the hack to getting a hold of you uh, very early is sending you an email at five o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I do. Uh, Getting up super early still. I love that, Cassie. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have today and being as open and oversharing with us here. But before I ask the uh, last question of the day, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Well, obviously on Instagram at SmartyCassie, S-M-A-R-T-Y-C-A-S-S-I-E. Or you can just send me an email at Cassie at GritCycle.com and I answer all of those. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, So last question of the day, 
I hope that you've been able to get some time maybe to yourself. And if there isn't something that you've been able to catch up on on Netflix that everybody's talking about, is there anything that you are going to dive into tomorrow on your first day off on Netflix? (laughs) On Netflix, I made a, a rule a couple weeks ago that at eight o'clock at night, I was going to shut off work. And so from eight to nine, that's like been my Netflix time. So I, obviously I watched Tiger King. And so I think there's an extra episode that comes out maybe today. I'm not sure. So I'm probably going to watch that. But the other thing that I did watch already, and I think that this is what I'm going to continue to dive into, is I watched Unorthodox on Netflix and it's only a four part series. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've seen it. I haven't opened it up yet. I don't it's probably a little more for women than it is for men, but I think men could get into it. But it's about Hasidic or ultra Orthodox or maybe ultra Orthodox Hasidic Jew in New York. And I'm fascinated. The show was amazing. I've been studying a Jewish website because I want know all about why the Hasidic men do what they do, why the women Mm. do what they do and the rituals and the traditions. And I'm fascinated. So any minute that I've had in the last few days, I have been um, (laughs) going, I think it's called (laughs) jewishlearning.com. I'm like, why do Hasidic men rock back and forth? Why do Hasidic men carry plastic bags? Like I'm just like diving in. So I am just going to continue <laughs> watching more about ultra-Orthodox Hasidic Jews. So I actually love that stuff and I'm going to check it out once we're done with this. So thank you for that, for that insider tip. To the listener, thank you so much for your time and attention. We really appreciate it. If you loved it, we would dig a five-star review. If you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us, but subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a ton of incredible people just like Cassie back on the show. And to everybody on Instagram Live, thank you for putting up with the Echo. We'll figure it out. It was fun. I, I appreciate it. Thanks again, Cassie. Can't wait to ride with you again soon. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs>